What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and today we have football, which means it's time for our running back matchups video. We're going to break down week six, every single matchup, and go through every single fantasy relevant running back to make sure you guys are good to go for the weekend to set your best lineups possible. So we have a lot to get into today. Let's not waste any time. If you enjoy the video at any point, make sure you down below, subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. All right, so starting things off, we have a travesty of a Thursday night game. We have Washington on the road versus the Bears. The Bears are minus one at home. The over-under is 37.5, which I believe is the lowest one that we've seen so far. And this is kind of just the price that we have to pay to get a Bills versus Chiefs matchup in week six and not in the playoffs. It sucks. I don't know how we can't get better games on primetime, but it is what it is. It's going to be a really weird environment where Washington is on the road. They're a top 10 team in pass rate over expectation, but they're bottom five in neutral pace. So they're going to pass the ball, but they're going to play slow. And then Chicago actually has the 13th neutral pace right now, but they're 32nd in pass rate over expectation. They're going to be running the ball the entire time. Now, before we talk about these Bears running backs, I just want to explain in these videos, I break up each one of these running backs into starts, sits, and then one in the middle that I call RB2 streamers, where these are running backs that fall pretty much between like RB25, RB35, where a lot of us out here are running zero RB or hero RB teams. And these are guys who are sits because they're not top 24 options, but they're also going to be in a lot of my lineups and a lot of your lineups. So I still want to have a category for those guys and when we look at the Bears running backs we obviously know the Bears want to run the ball but they get a Washington front seven which are six in rush DVOA defense 29th in pass defense so they're almost going to be in a spot where they dare the Bears to throw the ball the issue is that the Bears have shown so much of a love to run the ball I doubt they really go away from it even though this is in less than ideal matchup I do think that Montgomery here is still a fine start as a top 24 option just on volume alone where in his first game back last week, he saw his usual 75% of the snaps, 15 plus opportunities. He should get there on volume alone, despite a low scoring environment and a tough matchup versus Washington. I'll also mention Khalil Herbert. It sucks at this point. He didn't show enough while David Montgomery was hurt to earn a standalone role. He was relegated to just four touches last week. He can be safely benched. He is at this point just a handcuff. Then we have the Washington side of things, which is really tough to navigate. They were a three-headed backfield last week where Robinson had nine carries, J.D. McKissick had seven targets, Gibson had seven opportunities. It was a true three-way split. For me, it's tough to trust any of these running backs just given how spread out the touches are going to be. It's going to be a low-scoring game. It's not going to be a great spot for any of these running backs to be in your lineup. If I could, I would sit all three. Which then brings us to the first of many 1 p.m. games here on Sunday. We have the Bucks on the road in Pittsburgh as eight and a half point favorites. The over-under is 43 and a half. And the Buccaneers didn't look great last week against Atlanta, right? They only had 21 points, but they're very much trending towards being a powerhouse of an offense that they once were. Chris Godwin is working back from full health. Mike Evans is back. They're third in pass rate over expectation. They're eighth in neutral pace. They're finally passing the ball, running a ton of plays. I think this is going to be a great get-right spot here on the road versus a banged-up Steelers defense, similar to how the Bills just absolutely whomped on them. And I think in this potential blowout where the Bucks are 8.5-point favorites, I think both Leonard Fournette 
and Rashad White are playable in this matchup. Fournette is going to be a top five option this week, just given how many points the Bucks should score in this one. And just given his high value touch role where he will get a bunch of receptions and a bunch of goal line looks. And then I have Rashad White as a solid RB2 streamer this week where he has seen now back-to-back weeks, 39% of the snaps, and he has seen eight or more touches in the last two weeks. And in a game like this where the Buccaneers should get up late, we just saw Singletary go from 87% of the snaps in week four to 54% in week five. If the Buccaneers blow him out and this game doesn't get competitive in the fourth quarter, Rashad White should see even more usage, and he has great touchdown, garbage time, PPR type upside. On the Steelers side of things, we'll talk about Najee Harris here. And sadly, if you have him on your team, your team probably sucks, but you have to start Najee. He saw 15 opportunities last weekend, even with a low snap share. Now, he had a low snap share because they got blown out by the Bills. It could happen again, but even in that game script, he still saw 15 opportunities. The issue is the efficiency is nowhere to be found, and he should struggle for efficiency again in an awful matchup versus a Tampa Bay defense that is allowing the second least fantasy points to running backs in a potential blowout matchup. But again, you have to treat him as a top 24 option based on volume alone. Next up, we have the Jaguars on the road versus the Colts. The Colts are two and a half point favorites at home. The over-under is 41 and a half. This is a really bad fantasy environment where the Colts are the league's lowest scoring offense and the Jaguars only put up six points versus the Texans last week and have really come back to earth since that Chargers game. Both of these defenses, the Jaguars and the Colts, are top 12 in DVOA. It should be low scoring. Their last three meetings have all gone under that 41.5 over-under mark. It could be ugly. And it could be ugly, especially for these Jaguars running backs, where the Colts' D is a pass funnel, where they are the 21st-ranked DVOA pass defense, so they're not impossible to pass on, but they have the second-best rush DVOA defense. So you're sort of just ramming your running back for like three yards per carry until it sort of forces you to pass on the Colts here. And then we have a guy like James Robinson, who's very dependent on either light matchups or leading game scripts. It's tough here where he hasn't finished as a top 24 running back since week three, James Robinson. And he's only seen more than 11 carries twice this year, both in games where the Jaguars won by 20 or more points. I doubt they beat the Colts by 20 plus points again. Right, We now have the Colts having wins against the Chiefs and the Broncos. It'll be a close one. Last time James Robinson played against the Colts, he had 23 carries but only 64 yards. I think that was under a three-yard per carry. He won't be efficient. They're going to be road underdogs against a strong run defense. I don't think you can feel great about starting Robinson, but just based on his role and his volume, I think he's a fine RB2 streamer in that RB30 area, just based on talent and volume. And then we have ETN, who's starting to come alive here as the Jaguars have regressed as a team. They're not that same team that blew out the Chargers or blew out the Colts. They are now the Jaguars, but not quite what we thought they were going to be preseason, but also not quite what they were through those first three weeks. And with trailing game scripts the past few weeks, ETN has had nice usage in those environments where he's coming off season highs and route participation and snap share last week in a game that they lost to the Texans. So I think he's a fine option here. He is going to get looks as Robinson struggles versus defense. He's not going to be efficient between the tackles and as road underdogs, this should be an ETN type game script. So I think both guys are fine RB2 streamers. They're not great starts. If you have better options, I would go ahead and start those guys, but they are guys that you can start in a pinch at RB2. Then on the Colt side of things, our main question here is who is healthy. We have JT who sprained his ankle in week five, but it came out that it was a low ankle sprain, not a high ankle sprain. And then Naeem Hines left last week's game with a concussion. So the equation here is pretty simple. 
if Jonathan Taylor is healthy, you start him against a Jags defense that is allowing the 10th most fantasy points to running backs as home favorites in a low-scoring spot, you sit Naeem Hines. They're not going to have to pass the ball a ton to Naeem Hines in this one. Especially coming off his concussion. There's some weird vibes there. But if Naeem Hines can go and Jonathan Taylor can't go, then you start Naeem Hines as like a top 25 option pretty much with the same thesis as we had last week. You just hope that he doesn't get hurt on the first drive. For now, I'm assuming they both suit up until we have more info. And if they both suit up, I like JT as a start and Hines as a sit. Next up, we have the Bengals on the road versus the Saints. The Bengals are one and a half point favorites here. The over-under is 43 and a half. And the Saints have just been awful for fantasy matchups. Now, they didn't just get dragged into a shootout with the Seahawks, but they remain a bottom five team in pass rate over expectation and are the league's slowest neutral pace offense. The Bengals, on the other hand, are 11th in pass rate over expectation, but neither offense is in the top 20 in DVOA, while both defenses are in the top 12 in DVOA. So neither of these offenses have been great. Both of these defenses have been solid. It's going to be a slow defensive matchup here with the Bengals on the road. And I'll have Joe Mixon as a borderline RB1 type play this week. He leads the NFL in expected points per game. He's getting a ton of volume, but he's only the RB17 on the year. He should see volume again, but he gets a tough matchup. So he's going to be the Mixon that we know at this point. He's going to get volume. The efficiency won't be there. You're pretty much hoping for a touchdown. The Saints defense is only allowing the 25th most points to running backs right now. So again, the volume will be there. You just have to sort of hope that he can sort of outshoot his matchup here. Then on the other side, we have the Saints running backs with Alvin Kamara up top, who has now seen 20 or more opportunities in his last two games. He's only played three so far, and in his first game, he suffered his rib injury. So we're pretty much at a spot here where we now have the Alvin Kamara that we projected going into this season, and he should be a top 12 option here at home again on volume alone, despite playing against a good Bengals defense. Now, I listed Mark Ingram here as well, but as long as Ingram... Now, I listed Mark Ingram here as well, but as long as Alvin Kamara is healthy, Mark Ingram can safely be sat on your bench or dropped. After that, we have the Jets on the road versus the Packers. The Packers are seven-point favorites at home. The over-under is 46.5, and, and I got to be honest with you guys. I kind of think that this line is too big, and I, I'm, I try not to be a Jets homer. I try not to be a Jets homer, but we're giving the Packers seven points after they just lost to the Giants. The Jets are 2-0 and right now. And I get that the Jets aren't amazing, but the Jets' main strength right now is Brees Hall, Michael Carter, this running game, playing good defense. And the Packers' rush D is soft. They just let Saquon Barkley run Wildcat and beat them. I think the Jets have a chance outright. Now, I might I might be, you know, sipping the Kool-Aid, just talking as a homer here, but seven points feels like a lot. Now, when we talk about from a fantasy perspective, in terms of these teams and the environment here, both of these teams want to run the ball and play slow. The Green Bay Packers slower than the Jets, but neither of them are really trying to push the pace here. And I think the Jets keep up with the Packers. The Packers are bottom three in rush DVOA defense, which lines up perfectly with Brees Hall, with Michael Carter, and this Jets defense. I love Brees Hall as a start in this one. He is going to have a big day against a soft rush defense with the added benefit of getting a bunch of targets as seven-point road underdogs here he's third in the nfl in targets he should be in line for his third straight week of 20 or more opportunities after setting a career high snap share last week i love him as an every week fringe rb1 option at this point now michael carter's been on the decline a little bit here with Brees hall sort of popping off but michael carter still had a very quiet top 24 finish last week after vulturing two of Brees hall's touchdowns he's still involved in this offense and he's still a fine low-end option you can stream at running back too just given how soft the Packers run defense is, he should see 10 or more touches and a couple goal line looks, which is enough 
to get into lineups. Then we have the Packers running backs who get a fine matchup versus a neutral Jets defense, but they have a great environment as big home favorites. There should be plenty of rush attempts to go around here. I have Aaron Jones as a top 10 option this week. He's been seeing 16 or more opportunities per game since week two. Aaron Jones should be in play for like a 15 to 20 point blow up game versus the Jets. And then we have AJ Dillon, who's coming off his worst game of the season. He set season lows in snap share and touches at only six carries on a 32% snap share last week. But I would be hesitant to say that this role sticks moving forward. They just lost a really bad game versus the Giants. And in AJ Dillon's previous four games, he's been at at least 15 opportunities in each matchup. So I think it's going to be tough to say they lost last week's game and that they want to keep that trend going. I think that Dylan is going to have plenty of volume in this game. I think you'll see like 12 plus touches. And I think that if you have AJ Dillon on your team, you sort of have to live and die by him this week. This is a solid spot here. Big home favorite for say Jets defense that is probably middle of the road across the board. It wouldn't shock me if the Green Bay Packers sort of leaned on AJ Dillon and got a win here at home. Then we have the Patriots on the road versus the Browns. The Browns are three point home favorites. The over under is 42 and a half. And we have another pretty ugly matchup here. We have Bailey Zappi versus Kobe Brissett. Both teams want to run, rely on the run game. This should be a slow, low scoring game. On the Patriots side of things, they should have an easy time running the ball on the NFL's worst ranked rush DVOA defense that just let Eckler finish as the RB1 overall last week. Ramondre Stevenson gets a beautiful matchup here. It happens a locked and loaded RB1 in this matchup after seeing a career high 27 opportunities last week. He'll be in that same role this week. Damian Harris is hurt. Ty Montgomery's not back yet. Pierre Strong or J.J. Taylor should sort of get elevated into that RB2 spot, but both of them are going to be very much small pieces in this offense. If Ramondre Stevenson comes out here and he's efficient and he looks explosive, Bill Belichick should lean on him in this game. For Cleveland, I think both backs are in a good spot here. They're home favorites. Patriots defense ranks top 10 in DVOA, but they're bottom five in rush defense. They're much better against the pass than they are against the run. So I think Chubb should be a locked in top five option this week, just given he's one of three running backs right now that are putting up 20 points per game, which is rare in the modern NFL. And then we have Kareem Hunt, who I also like as a start this week, just given how soft this Patriots run defense is and Cleveland is at home. And on top of that, Kareem Hunt is yet to see less than 12 touches in a game this year. I think the volume will be there and the efficiency or like touchdown spike is also on the table for Kareem Hunt this week. Next, we have the Vikings as three-point favorites on the road versus the Dolphins. The over-under is 45 and a half. And this game is really weird because as of right now, even though, all right, I don't want to get too crazy here, but I didn't think Teddy Bridgewater's hit on Sunday was like anything insane. I'm actually shocked that it seems like they are shutting him down for this week. Mike McDaniel came out and said that he is planning to have Skylar Thompson as his quarterback, even if Teddy Bridgewater is cleared. It seems like at that point, he would just back up Skylar Thompson. So it sucks for fantasy because the Dolphins offense will be worse without Teddy Bridgewater, in my eyes at least. And then that'll be less points for the Vikings to have to keep up with. Now, at the very least, we know the Vikings are going to score the ball here. They are a modern offense. They're seventh in pass rate over expectation. They're 10th in neutral pace. Dalvin Cook here should be a fine RB1 this week after recording his first top 12 finish last week. They're favorites in this game. It should be a positive game script versus a Dolphins defense that allowing the ninth most fantasy points to opposing running backs. I still have Alexander Madison as a sit here. He's a pure handcuff until anything happens to Dalvin Cook. On the other side of this game, we have Raheem Mostert, who now has 17 or more touches in each of his last two games 
with Edmonds coming off of his lowest snap share game of the year at only a 14.5% snap share on Sunday. I think Raheem Mostert's a fine play as the Dolphins lean on the running game here, just given the fact that they have Skylar Thompson at quarterback, and the Vikings defense is allowing the 11th most fantasy points to running backs right now. Now, Edmonds is a sit. He's borderline droppable. His playing time and his touch count keep on going down every week. After that, we have the Ravens as five-point favorites on the road in MetLife against the Giants. The over-under is 44 and a half, and this is a fun matchup. I sort of like the over here. We have two offenses that are both top 12 in EPA per play, and both defenses are outside of the top 15 in EPA per play. So the Giants should play from behind. They should be playing faster, fourth in the NFL in no huddle rate, and they're going to be running the ball with Saquon versus the 26th-ranked DVOA rush defense in the Ravens. And on the other side, you have the Ravens, who should have minimal issues as the fourth-highest scoring offense in the NFL versus a 25th-ranked DVOA defense in the Giants. I think both offenses will be able to move the ball on Sunday. On the Ravens side of things, we have J.K. Dobbins, who came back down to earth this weekend where he had 17 touches and two touchdowns in week four, and then he comes out last Sunday with only eight touches for 4.4 points. His touches and snaps went down after a big blow-up game. You hate to see that for somebody coming back from an ACL injury. I think even after that, you can still start him this week as the lead back in a soft matchup here against a Giants run defense that isn't all that special. Now, I wouldn't feel great about starting him, but I would have him as a fringe top 24 option. Next, we have Saquon, and he has some kind of injury issue. I think it's his shoulder. He ended up coming back into the London game and playing and looking great. If it keeps him out of this game, then you sit him. If he's in this game and he's active, you're playing him. He is one of the few running backs right now, averaging 20 or more points per game. I think you just have to ride that at home versus a 26-ranked DVOA rush defense in the Raven. Next, we have the 49ers on the road versus the Falcons. The 49ers are five and a half point road favorites. The over-under is 44 and a half, and this is tough. This is two teams that are bottom three in pass rate overexpected. They both want to run the ball, and the 49ers have the best DVOA defense in the NFL. The 49ers are also a slow-paced team. This is a game that is unlikely to shoot out. I kind of like the under here, but I will say the 49ers and the Falcons, they don't run a ton of plays, but they've both been efficient on offense, right? You have Debo, you have Drake London, you have big splash plays on both sides. So I would be a little bit hesitant there, but this is going to be tough. Now, when we talk about the 49ers, you're starting Jeff Wilson. He had his first top 12 finish of the season last week, and he plays against a Falcons defense that ranks 27th in total DVOA. And we also have Tevin Coleman, who saw 11 touches in a blowout last week, which made him kind of interesting as a waiver stash or acquisition you're not starting him this week it was a blowout last week they're playing the Falcons obviously you're not playing Tevin Coleman even in a low-key I didn't realize until now a low-key revenge game but still he should be on your bench if he's even on rosters out there then we have the Falcons running backs and Tyler Algier is yet to record a top 24 finish on the year but I have him as an RB2 streamer this week and he's probably the lowest ranked RB2 streamer in today's video and he's really only a play if you're really desperate at running back. He's playing against San Francisco, who has one of the toughest defenses to run on in the NFL, allowing the third least fantasy points to running backs this season. The only plus here for Algier is that the Falcons are at home. It's a tough start. He has had 10 or more touches in his last two games. He should be good for another 10-plus touch game. The efficiency is going to be tough to come by. You're sort of just hoping for a touchdown, which is certainly in play. Now, I'm not playing any other Falcons running backs. I know Damian Williams might be back this week. I know Caleb Huntley's been in the mix. There's nothing that's consistent enough 
to go in your lineup there. Then we have our 4 p.m. slate here, which is really good outside of this first matchup. We have the Panthers on the road versus the Rams. The Rams are 10.5 point favorites at home. The over-under is 40.5. And, and these are both teams that want to pass the ball. They're both top 10 in pass rate over-expected. And the Panthers are playing fast. But this is a battle of two bottom three EPA per play offenses, and both of them have top 15 defenses. So there's going to be some plays, there's going to be some pace to this game, but there's not going to be a lot of efficiency and a lot of scoring, which is tough. It should be a low scoring game here, especially with PJ Walker at quarterback for the Panthers. It's just a nightmare scenario where you have PJ Walker at quarterback going on the road to LA, playing against Aaron Donald and Bobby Wagner and Jalen Ramsey. It should be ugly. Even in that matchup, you still have to start McCaffrey. He's coming off two straight 20-point games. I would temper expectations versus a Rams defense that is allowing the least amount of fantasy points to running backs right now. And in a game script where the Panthers are going to be behind by 10-plus points on the road, everything's going against McCaffrey here. Maybe he can rack up some PPR points. P.J. Walker might check it down to him a bunch. He's a fringe top 10 option this week, but better days will be ahead. On the other side, we have the Rams running backs, and this backfield still makes no sense. The issue is, is that there should be a lot of fantasy points available. They're 10-point favorites at home against a Panthers defense that is allowing the 7th most fantasy points to running backs. So we'll have Cam Akers and Darrell Henderson both as like fringe top 35, top 30 options. Akers has seen more touches on less snaps. Henderson has seen more snaps, but less touches. They're both boom-bust options. We don't know who's going to get the bulk of the touches or the carries or the targets, but you're hoping whoever you put into your lineup sees some efficiency against a bad rush defense and scores a touchdown in a light matchup. Now, the rest of these 4 p.m. games are sweet. We have the Cardinals at the Seahawks. The Cardinals are two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road, which was kind of shocking to me just considering how good the Seahawks have been. The overrun is 51-and-a-half, and that's really what we care about for fantasy. It's one of the only 50-plus overrunners of the slate and we should see a lot of scoring with Geno Smith at home leading the number one ranked DVOA offense on the Seahawks. It's, just a, it's crazy that that's where we're at right now, but that's where we're at. The Seahawks are legitimately one of the best offenses in the NFL. They're running more plays. The fantasy environment's amazing. And then you have the Cardinals who lead the NFL in no huddle rate. And both of these defenses rank bottom seven in DVOA. There should be fireworks. There should be a lot of plays, a lot of points, a lot of bad defenses, which is really exciting. Now for today, I'm going to assume that James Conner misses this game with a rib injury, which means Eno Benjamin should be the lead back here in a high scoring game against a Seahawks defense that is allowing the fifth most fantasy points to running backs. I'd have him as an RB2 streamer this week, right on the fringe of being a top 25 option. And I think on the other side, you have to start Kenneth Walker here. He's been electric so far. He's third among running backs and avoided tackle rate with minimum 20 rush attempts. He has 5.74 yards after contact per rush, which is second in the NFL. And he gets a home game versus the 26th ranked DVOA defense in the Cardinals, who are allowing the seventh highest explosive rush rate in the NFL. Kenneth Walker coming off a 69-yard touchdown run last week. He has massive upside. I have him as a top 24 option this week. And then we have our second of 4 p.m. shootouts with the Bills on the road as two and a half point favorites on the road to the Chiefs. The over-under is 53 and a half, which is one of the highest of the season. And this is going to be fireworks. You have the top two teams in pass rate over expectation and the top two teams in EPA per play on offense. This should be a crazy good game for offense, for fantasy, and just for real life football. I would want to start most pieces in this game and I know Devin Singletary had a quiet week 
last week, but he played less than 70% of the snaps for the first time since week two because of how bad they blew out the Steelers. This is going to be a much more competitive game. And as road favorites in a competitive high scoring matchup, you have to start Singletary hoping he scores a touchdown against a Chiefs rusty that is allowing the six most fantasy points to opposing running backs. I would have Singletary as a nice top 20 start this week. Now on the other side of things, even though the Bills defense is elite, you're still starting CEH. There's too many touchdowns available in this game for a running back that is averaging a touchdown per game. To me, he's a fine back-end top 24 option just given this matchup and given this environment. Now, I also included McKinnon here since he led the backfield in snaps last week, but he still has no games with over 10 PPR points. He's just a stash for now. Next, we have our Sunday night game. We have the Cowboys on the road versus the Eagles. The Eagles are five and a half point favorites at home. The over-under is 42 and a half, which feels really low for an Eagles game. Now, both of these teams are going to play fast. They're top four teams in neutral pace. There should be a lot of plays, but the points are going to be tough to come by. The reason that that over-under is so low is both of these teams have a top six DVOA defense. And the crazy part is that Dallas has yet to be in a game this year through five weeks where there was a combined point total of over 40. They have kept games close. They have kept games low scoring, largely due to their defense. I think this is going to be a game where the Cowboys finally struggle to score points and we see the Eagles squeak out a win like 24 to 13. Now, in terms of fantasy, I'm treating both Cowboys running backs as RB2 streamers this week as road underdogs in a tough environment. Thankfully, though, despite being fifth in total DVOA on defense, the Eagles only rank 20th in rush defense. Zeke is the preferred play here. He's seen 20 or more touches in the last two weeks, but the efficiency hasn't been there. Pollard's the opposite, where he is a boom bust option on efficiency despite a lack of volume, which is really weird, but both of these guys are probably like fringe top 30 options this week in what should be a low scoring game against a good defense. Next, we have Miles Sanders, who's a great start here as a home favorite versus a Dallas defense that is middle of the road against the run, but elite versus the pass. Miles Sanders has yet to have a game with less than 15 touches. I think this week is a fine setup here, home favorites as a solid RB2 option. Then our last game here, Monday Night Football is yet again, another Broncos primetime game. It's insane. We have the Broncos on the road versus the Chargers. The Chargers are five and a half point favorites at home. The over-under is 45 and a half. And this is going to be a spot here where the Chargers lead the league in neutral pace in their top five in pass rate over expectation. They're going to pass the ball a ton. They're going to run a lot of plays and the Broncos are either going to have to keep up with them or they're going to get left in the dust and lose like 28 to nine. Luckily for the Broncos, the Chargers rank seventh worst in EPA per play allowed to their opponents. If the Broncos offense is going to show any life it would be in this matchup. The Chargers have allowed the, the Browns to score a bunch of points. They've allowed the Jaguars to score a bunch of points. Their defense, I believe that Bosa's hurt as well, isn't that crazy. If the Broncos were ever going to have a get-right game, it would be in this matchup. Now, when we talk about the running backs, the only Broncos running back I'm starting this week is Melvin Gordon. He saw a season-high 18 touches last week along with a top 24 finish. He's a great start this week against a Chargers defense that is allowing the most fantasy points two opposing running backs. Now, Mike Boone had a fine week last week. He had 11.5 PPR points, but I have him and Latavius Murray both as sits, even in a really soft matchup versus Chargers defense. We have no clue how this backfield shakes out. It's now a three-man rotation. I only really feel comfortable playing Gordon this week. Then for the Chargers, obviously we have Austin Eckler here, who is coming off of two back-to-back 30-point -back games, back-to-back RB1 overall finishes. He's the RB1 in all of fantasy. 
He's a must-start regardless of matchup. Now that's gonna do it for us today. As always, make sure you check out patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. I'll have my full weekly rankings on there. So if you have two players that are both starts, like let's say Miles Sanders and Melvin Gordon, and you don't know who to start, I will have rankings good to go on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. And that's really just because when I make this video and I write this outline, I'm just kind of trying to get a feel for the slate. I don't have my rankings thought out yet. I sit down Thursday afternoon, get those all banged out for the patrons. You'll also get on the Patreon, start sit live streams on Sundays. You'll get my rest of season rankings on Wednesdays. You'll get my waiver wire article where I go over my exact fab bids for each waiver wire target. You get a ton of value on there and you'll find it on patreon.com slash Ron Stewart at the top of the description or the top of the comments below. As always, I love you guys. Thank you for watching. Make sure if you enjoyed, you leave a like, you subscribe. Also wanted to ask, I'm only going to be doing one of these matchup videos per week. I was curious if you guys preferred wide receiver or running back, or should I like alternate? I could alternate it and do, you know, next week we could do wide receiver matchups and do running back tier list video on Friday. We'll see. But now we're just going to do one video where we break down the slate. I think it's a little bit redundant to do it twice. So let me know what you guys would rather see. Um, again, as always, I'll see you guys in the next.